0: You open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're continuing our series on 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is actually the third year that we've done this uh, corporately, collectively, in solidarity as a community of faith. Um, individually, we're seeking the face of God where we're um, disconnecting from the world through fasting, whether it's physical food, whether it's social media, whether it's entertainment, uh, whether it's television. Uh, and and in order so that we could connect with God, disconnect through fasting, but connect with God through prayer and setting time aside, devoting ourselves to seeking God's face. Um, So congratulations, it's been one week and I've already heard a couple of uh, great testimonies and praise reports and God stories of what God has done. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about a private prayer life, a hidden life of prayer. And next week we'll be discussing corporate prayer, but uh, I think we first need to talk about personal prayer. And we're going to look at the teaching of Jesus, but also the life of Jesus. And if I can, if I may, could I just give a, a quick praise report? Last week we went through Luke 11 about the shameless audacity that um that we have in prayer, that there's an aspect of not consistently praying, but uh, there's an aspect in the Bible where Jesus commands with a parable of the visiting neighbor of shamelessly um, having the audacity to ask God, that God is not inconvenienced by our prayer request, that there's never an inopportune time to ask God, to ask our Heavenly Father. And on Thursday, I went to pick something up, and my back threw out, and I couldn't move. And I was bedridden for two days, and and it was uh, so terrible. And, you know, you might be laughing, oh, how come your back went out? Uh, Just to let you know, uh, former uh, heavyweight champion, uh, UFC Daniel Cormier, world-class athlete, Olympic uh, athlete, he sneezed and he threw out his back. So I don't feel so bad. So I went to pick something. I threw out my back. And on Thursday, I was we were actually supposed to shoot this video message. And I couldn't. And, you know, I i practiced what I preached. And I remember uh, praying all throughout. It's like, Lord, you better do this for your glory, for your sake. Because I got to preach the word. You know, and it's, your word is at stake here. And would you heal me? And so now... Um, the afternoon that I'm about that I'm supposed to speak, um, my back um, with rest also and medication, but my back feels so much better and I could stand after being bedridden for uh, two days. So praise the Lord for that. Anyways, you know one of the ironies in life is that if we're not careful, we become the very thing that we despise. If we're not careful, the thing that we loathe or the thing that we detest in other people, we become that. For example, maybe you have an absentee father and you grew up and you made a judgment on him and and now as a father, you overcompensate not to be him, but in the end, you become exactly like him. Or maybe you grew up with an overly strict mom, strict on academics, and you was like, I will never be that type of mom who enforces academic to my kids. But in the process of trying to avoid her, trying to become like her, you actually become like her. Or how about this? If you read the Bible, in the book of Exodus, and you see how the people of God, Israel, time after time after time again, God parted the Red Sea, He brought uh, manna in the wilderness, he, he was a pillar of cloud by fire uh, at night, a pillar of cloud of, uh, by day. And God provided himself victory after victory, but still people did, Israel didn't believe and they still kept on complaining. And you're like, man, those stinking Israelites, they never, they never learn. But when it comes to our own life, we always complain. And even though God has proven himself time and time again, we still don't trust him. Does that sound familiar? If there's one group that Jesus always butted head with and always had conflict with, it was the Pharisees. And one of the dangers of uh, becoming a Christian, and especially if you walk with the Lord for a while, is having a pharisaical spirit. And the thing is, um, if we're not careful, we become what we despise. So in our text here, Jesus warns us about the Pharisees, and He tells us, hey, instead of, of living your faith, and living out Christianity in this way, don't do it like the Pharisees. And he encourages them in three areas: in uh, giving, in prayer, and in fasting. He says, "Hey, when you give, give in secret. When you pray, pray in secret. When you fast, fast in secret." And he twice he mentions that when you do things secretly, that your God, who sees in secret, He will reward you openly. And today we're going to talk about private prayer, a personal prayer life before God. So let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, I'm reading from the NIV, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners for what purpose? To be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But, you see the contrast there? There's the Pharisees, but if you're a follower of Christ, if you live under the kingdom of God, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, just like clockwork, news started spreading of another celebrity pastor based out of New York who morally fell. A couple of weeks prior to that, there was a Christian apologist based out of Atlanta um, who happened to pass away but even after he passed away um, he, had a prom- he, has a prom- he had a prominent ministry and they hired a law firm and they looked into his life and there were numerous accounts of sexual misconduct and you know one of the scariest um, Bible verses at least for me as a preacher of the gospel, is Matthew 7.33, where Jesus says, Many will come to me in that day, meaning the last day. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name? And Jesus says, Depart from me, I never knew you. See, the thing is, we could do outwardly, perform spectacular signs and miracles for God, but never be with God. We could do stuff for God, but not have a relationship with God. We could pray in public with eloquence, with high-sounding words, with conviction, and we could fool everybody else in public but we may not have a personal prayer life. You know, Francis Chan, he was asked, Hey, hey, Pastor Francis, there's so many pastors who are uh, morally falling, whether it's sexual, whether it's financial, uh, it's abuse of power. How do you ensure that you don't fall? And his answer surprised me. And he says, you know what? I spend time with God alone every single day when I spent I'm before the creator of the universe like and I can't fake it so you could fake it before everybody else you could put on a facade of a Christian of our Christ follower and you could even have a public ministry but until You have a personal, intimate relationship with God where God speaks and you listen and you speak to God and He listens. Then it demonstrates and then it reveals that you have a genuine relationship with Christ. And here's what I want to get us uh, this morning. I have... um, one main point and a, and just a, a guide on how to have a personal prayer life. Would you write this down? A private life of prayer reveals a personal desire for God. Let me repeat that. A private personal life of prayer. A life of prayer hidden with God. Maybe it's unseen to the world. But if you have this personal, intimate relationship and private prayer life with God, it reveals that you have a personal desire for God. Tim Keller says that prayer is essential for a genuinely lived relationship with God as Father. And what he's saying is that the heart of prayer is not to get things from God, but it is getting God. Prayer is where we speak back to God after He has spoken to us through His his Word and we experience what it means to have the pleasure of Christ. You see, when we pray, when we have a a personal prayer life, We know what it means to enjoy God as an end to Himself. And we don't use God, not just a means for a petition. When we enjoy a personal prayer life, we're not doing it for the crowds. We're not doing it for applause. We're not doing it for recognition. We're not doing it for... um, to be recognized by people, but we're doing, we're praying because we want God. A private life of prayer reveals a personal desire for God. And, you know, if you look at the life of Jesus, even though he had a very public ministry and he performed miracles and signs and wonders, Jesus didn't just... um, practice what he preached he preached what he practiced and what he practiced was a personal union with his father look at um, matthew 14 23 also in mark chapter 6 46 after he had dismissed the crowds he went up to the mountain by himself to pray he was there alone the solitary practice of being in communion with God was important to Jesus. From the very beginning, After, um, be- right before His public ministry, when He was offered by the devil himself, turn this stone to bread, jump down this mountain, fall down and worship me, I will have... People, so that people will praise you and I can give you the kingdoms of this world. Jesus did not want the applause of men. Jesus did not want the kingdom of this world. Jesus did not want the accolades and the recognition of people. He wanted to be with the father. And this is the heart of prayer. And before we get on to petition and we pray together for our community and we pray together for our nation and our state and the transition of our presidents, our presidency, we pray because we want to, we want God. We just don't want to get things from God, but we want God himself. That's why Jesus, he made it a priority. Oftentimes in the gospel it says, while it was still dark, Jesus went to a desolate place by himself to pray. Luke 5.16, he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Mark 1.35, early, Mark the first chapter of Mark. Rising early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and he went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. So how exactly do we um, pray in silence and solitude when we're alone before God? um, How do we pray? Well, uh, there's a a great... um, Pastor and theologian, his name is Martin Luther, who sparked the Reformation. And he came up with an acronym, of, and he actually wrote it to his barber. And um, his barber who was probably giving a tight fade, you know, with a line. Anyways, uh, he wrote a book for him on how to pray. And he um, basically came up with an acronym of ACTS. So here is... The acts of private prayer. Here is the acts of personal prayer, A-C-T-S. Okay? Letter A is if we want to experience uh, the pleasure of God and if we want to desire God in our own personal life, A is adoration, that we adore God for who He is. Look at Psalm 145, verses 1 and 2. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and I will extol your name forever and ever. Before we go on and asking God, do this, do that, bless me, bless this, heal this, heal that, heal them. Come before God in adoration. Not that it has to be formulaic, because that's not how our relationship is but there should be some set of some sense of or some semblance of structure in our approach to God because if we don't have some sense of structure you know we'll be like the disciples and just sleep or you know, in many instances you know in my own life you know you wake up early to pray and you fall back asleep but i think having the sense of adoration before God, where we worship God for who He is. Holy are you, O Lord God. Lord, there is none like you. Who am I in heaven but you? There is no one I can compare besides you, O God. Who is like you, O Lord? Lord, Your Your. Uh, You're kind and compassionate. You're slow to anger. You forgive the iniquities of generation to generation. Lord, you're full of mercies. You're full of grace. And you just worship and adore God. And you might even throw in a worship song. As a deer pants for the water and you begin to adore and worship God. Ascribe to the Lord the splendor of His holiness. Sing and and praise and talk about the the beauty and the splendor of who God is. Adore God. Come, let us adore Him. Amen? So when we start our prayer life, start with just adoration for God. Adore God. Worship God. Um, Praise God for who He is. C is confession. Confession. Confess your own failings before God. Confess any impure thoughts that you have had. Confess moments of anger. Confess where you've made a mistake. Confess where you had impure motives before God. Lay it out before the Lord. Look at Psalm 51 this, and I've prayed this prayer. Uh, from the psalm of david multiple times verse one it says have mercy on me O god according to your unfailing love according to your great compassion blot out my transgressions wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin i personally believe that this aspect of confession would safeguard you would safeguard me From pride. Confession safeguards me from um, disillusionment and just being blinded by my own pride. Confession cleanses, scrubs my heart, and it keeps me humble before God. May I add this too? Not only do you confess your sins in your private and personal prayer life, but confess your need for the gospel. Confess your need for Jesus. Lord, thank you, God, for cleansing me. Lord, I need you. This is why you came, Jesus. This is why you're a Savior, because you need to save me from my sins. Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. Lord, I need um, the power of the gospel to transform me. Lord, I need you, Lord, to cleanse me and make me clean. Uh, thirdly uh, is T, which is thanksgiving. Look at Psalm 104 to 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. I think this is the, you know, almost like like the final act before we ask God and we petition and we make our request before the Lord is to give thanks unto God. Adore God for who He is. Confess our sins and our shortcomings and our failings before God. And let allow His grace to cover our failures, but also give thanks. If you don't have a prayer life, a personal prayer life, and if you have a tough time um, just developing and starting a prayer life, could I just encourage you to start by giving thanks start naming count your blessings one by one lord thank you so much for health lord thank you lord just for the roof over my head and you go from basics and the more you know god the more you know his word then you be you know you begin to pray ephesians 1:3 lord thank you that you've blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in christ Lord, thank you that you chose me before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you've redeemed me, that you've forgiven my sins. Thank you, Lord, that you've elected me. Thank you that you've adopted me. Thank you that you've changed me from the inside out. Thank you that you sealed me with your Holy Spirit when I heard the gospel. And once you begin to give thanks, man, when the praises go up, his presence go down. Remember the old Christmas message? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. When we give God praise, adoration, confession, and we give God thanksgiving, His peace would rain down. His countenance would fall down. His um, presence would just fill our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. S is supplication, which is basically making our request. Okay, let's look at Philippians 4 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and there it is, petition. You could circle or underline that with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus petition God ask him ask prayer request for yourself request for your family request for your church request for your neighbors request for your co-workers and remember last week in Luke 11 when we discussed and we talked about the parable of the midnight visitor and how he had no shame, walang hiya, right? Remember that Filipino word? He had no shame to knock in the middle of the night and ask his neighbor for three pieces of bread, three loaves of bread. Do You notice that he did not ask him for it for himself and for his family, but he asked it in behalf of the visitor that was visiting him. And I think this is where, you know, it's like, Lord, I'm not asking this for my sake. I'm not asking this for my behalf. I'm asking this for my coworker who is sick. I'm asking, oh Lord God, for the sake of my family member, of my neighbor, oh Lord God, that they would come to know you, that you would provide, that you would heal them from COVID in Jesus' name. And when we uh, petition before God, at last... When, we, when it's there's the foundation of adoration, of confession of thanksgiving, when we do make our supplication before God, that's when our, our faith is being strength, strengthened. That's where our will be, begins to be like His will, where our hearts begin to mold and be transformed and His presence and His grace, And His mercies begin to transform and change our will. That we want what God wants for our lives. That we want what God wants and His will uh, in our situation that we're praying for. Um, And if we're honest, sometimes we bypass through this. Which is, you know, the Lord answers the uh, straight up petitions as well, right? Lord, save me. Peter cried out, Jesus help me, I'm drowning. <laughs> God hears and he answers those prayers. And I want to close with this. And you know, there's power in prayer. Amen. Ch- type that in Amen. Right? There's power in prayer. But I believe the power is not in the activity of prayer, but the power is in the Holy Spirit. Because if there's power in the inherent activity of prayer, then the Pharisees and the Sadducees would be the most powerful and um, spiritually uh, potent people on the face of the planet Earth, but they weren't. Isaiah says, you know, you worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. See, it's not so much in the activity. Jesus says, "Don't, don't babble on and on and on like the pagans with their many words. They think they will be heard more, and that actually refers to uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal and how they cut themselves and mutilated themselves and kept repeating repetitious prayers before God. It's not in the activity of prayer, but the power of prayer is in the holy spirit and one of the most overlooked component in the lord's prayer is the last clause which is lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil i'm going to tell the truth because i love you i'm going to tell the truth because god's word is truth and i'm accountable to god So I need to say this, if you don't have a personal, a private prayer life, you absolutely have no chance against the power of Satan and the forces of hell. The last clause is, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. When Jesus He prayed to be close to the Father. He prayed so that he would have intimacy with the Father. But he also prayed, especially in the New Testament, for the promise of the Holy Spirit so that they could have power, so that they could have strength to do the work of the kingdom, so that they could have strength to overcome the work of the evil one. We often hear about the power of prayer and countless books and sermons testify to it. But even though the intent of these writers are good, their message is often misunderstood. When we focus on the activity of prayer, we're in danger of concentrating on the wrong things. The words we say, the length of our prayers, how often we pray, our prayer posture, and this could lead to a misconception that the release of God's power depends on us did i do the, did did i do it right did i use the right words have i asked enough if the activity of the prayer itself assures us of the power of God then the pharisees would have been the most spiritually powerful people of the of the day but yet they weren't it's in the holy spirit so may I encourage us today for a personal, a private, a hidden prayer life to be connected and to be close to the Father, but also to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. James chapter 5 says that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, man avails much. That the prayer of a righteous person has power, it has umph. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, that you meet us where we're at, that you invite us, oh Lord God, to pray, not just so that we could overcome, not just so that we would have victory, not just so that we could experience deliverance and breakthrough and healing, but Lord, you invite us to pray so that we could be closer to you so that we speak to you and you listen to us and you speak to us and we listen to you, Father. So Lord, we thank you for the relationship that we have with you. I just pray, oh Lord God, that you would use these 21 days of prayer for deliverance and breakthrough and closeness with you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, thank you guys for joining us. Continue to persevere in your personal prayer life. God bless you. Have an amazing week, love you guys.